Beyond Governance, Making Sense of Doing Business in South Africa, is proudly sponsored by Plus94 Research, the science of decision-making. We've weathered the unexpected. We've stepped into a new world. And now it is the time for our businesses to re-emerge. Sure-footed, clear-headed, and strategically on point. It is a time for greater certainty, for accurate, actionable market research and business intelligence to make effective, up-to-date decisions. South Africa, that is how we move our businesses and economy forward. Plus 94 Research, the science of decision-making. Good morning to everyone and thanks for tuning in on yet another glorious day here in South Africa, Johannesburg for that matter. Um, this is Beyond Governance at 101.9 High FM. My name is Nimrod Timbele. As always, I am delighted to share this space and time with you as we continue to bring you topical and strategic insights from our guests. Uh, this morning, we are unpacking the Africa Continental Trade, a free trade agreement, to determine the extent to which progress has been made on this illustrious uh, agreement that is meant to address the deficit among trade deficit among African countries by creating a single market. Uh, African uh, economies all concur that the African Continental Free Trade Agreement has the potential to increase employment opportunities and income, thus by helping to expand opportunities uh, for all Africans, and um, that much we can all agree on. Uh, they also, there's a general consensus that the agreement is expected to uplift pretty much around 68 million Africans out of modern poverty to make African countries more competitive. I cannot agree with you. I cannot agree with that assertion more. However, there, there are a lot of glitches that are obviously um, underway that needs to be unpacked carefully for this uh, agreement to realize its full potential. In making sense of this fascinating, complex and complicated uh, agreement, as in any other agreement for that matter, I'm joined by John Johannes from Ethiopia, who is an executive director at Denial Youth Development Action. He's also an alumni of African Presidential Leadership Program amongst a number of accolades. John and I are also joined by Sol Molobi, who is the former Consul General to Milan, and also the Executive Director or Executive at the Brand Hill Africa. So these are two prominent individuals that are well vested with the agreement as it were. You might recall from our previous conversation, Sol came through and unpacked on a very, very complex issue uh, from a different dimension, of course, to unpack the business opportunities that are linked to the trade. On that note, I, I sincerely applaud everyone to uh, tune in and take notes for there are enormous business opportunities associated with the Africa Trade Free Trade uh, Continental Agreement. On that note, our SMS line is 34519. The telegram, as you know, it is 061-895-1095. Of course, I'm available on Twitter. My Twitter handle is at Nimrod. Before we kick show, kick start the show, let me thank Vusi and Kabisa for coordinating the show and making sure that uh, typical gremlins that associated technology aren't there to mess up uh, yet another fantastic conversation that I'm going to have with esteemed colleagues that are calling to put on out. Without any waste of time, let me take this opportunity to welcome John and, and Saul. Gentlemen, good morning and welcome to the Beyond Governance. Good morning, Dr. Mbele. Good morning, John. Nice fine. Good morning, Dr. Nebel. Thank you very much. Good morning, Dr. Nebel. 
Lovely, lovely. From East Africa, I greet you all. Uh, yes, we are. We are most delighted to have a brother from up north. Before we start, John, because I think the listeners will be quite keen um, to get a perspective of where you're coming from. Who is John Johannes? Well, thank you very much. My name is John Johannes. I'm from the Republic of South Sudan. I always term it as the land of great abundance and Eden of diversity. I'm the executive director of the Nile Youth Development Action, which is a grassroots catalyzer focusing on advancing the socioeconomic development in the Nile Basin countries, including South Sudan. We are almost in 11 African countries and it's a youth led organization that is focusing on the aspect of development, particularly the African continental free trade area is something that gives us the interest. And we say, like, where is the young people are situated in this continental agreement? Because if we mean business, there is no business without young people. Thank you. I could not agree with you more on that very note. Could you just perhaps maybe, because you you coming from South Sudan, a very precarious and fascinating country, as it were. I mean, we've picked up that the real GDP of South Sudan back in 2019 was about 9.5, which obviously could have been more had it not been of vulnerability of oil shocks and conflict. To what extent do you think the current free trade agreement will plug a hole or make a difference in exponentially growing the economy of South Sudan? And what will be the key levers of change in making sure that the free trade agreement benefits the continent as a whole, particularly South Sudan, as it were? Uh, well, as we all know, yes, we've been now in a, in a transition, a kind of peace, because for the last five years, unfortunately, my country, South Sudan, was in conflict within itself. But we currently emerge from that trauma of a conflict, and we are in a stage of a post-conflict reconstruction and development. And the Republic of South Sudan, in it by itself, has a competitive advantage, particularly in the livestock and agriculture sector, and also the SMEs, for example, in leather and share butter industries. And that should be integrated into the regional value chain to boost production capacity and export more to the continent because we never export any of this because of the situation that we've been through. But we hope the African continental free trade area give us that opportunity to ultimately engage our regional blocks as East African community and also to extend to the other part of the continent. So these are the advantage that the agreement is bringing. But however, we have to go the formal stages, particularly the ratification of the agreement. And if you might recall, yesterday we have a session on how we can start, where to start engaging our government, where to start engaging the private sectors to promote the ratification of the AFCFTA in the country so that we can be part of this continental agreement. So these are the things that we are doing currently in South Sudan for us to understand the nuances of the agreement and to see the advantage of cross-border trade. We are trading with our neighbors, for instance, Uganda and Sudan. And these are the things that we need to capitalize on. So uh, yeah. with that, we want to be part of this uh, new trade among us as Africans. On that note, thank you very much uh, for, for that interesting uh, insight of where we things are. Uh, this is Beyond Governance at 101.9 High FM. My name is Nimrod Timbede. 
Beyond Governance, Making Sense of Doing Business in South Africa, is proudly sponsored by Plus94 Research, the science of decision-making. Welcome back. If you've just joined us, we are having a very interesting conversation with my esteemed guest here. I'm joined by John Johannes, who is an executive director at the Nalt Youth Development Action Base in South Sudan. I'm also joined by Sol Molobi, who is the executive director at Brand Hill Group of Companies. And we are unpacking the African Continental Trade Agreement quest, obviously, to create common markets while addressing trade deficit. Uh, let me just quickly bring in Brasol here as a person who has a much wealth of insight based on, on his current position on this particular agreement. So, I mean, you've heard that Jon Johannes has put it out there that South Sudan is one of the youngest democracies. They are obviously in the process of promoting the ratification of this particular agreement to enhance amongst others trade within their neighbors and of course throughout the, the continent as well. What's your, what's your position in respect to this nuance? I think let me start by, by paying homage to former President Abombeki who played a very critical role in helping to stabilize South Sudan through the mandate that came from the African Union. And let me also congratulate the leadership in South Sudan that has found common ground and decided in the best interest of the country that stability was restored in that country. If SA Motswana, my history tells me that I, I have originated from South Sudan. So I'm quite excited uh, to be talking to John, who may happen to be uh, sharing a same lineage with me, even though we came down to, to the South. But I have a dear friend who is also my mentor in South Sudan, Professor Taban Luliong, a poet and an English professor who taught here at the University of Venda for many, many years, and I became very close to him. Yes, we are saying South Sudan is a almost the youngest country in Africa in the sense that it, it is the last to get its freedom, even though later on Western Sahara will become the youngest. But at the same time, since we are talking youth, uh, here's the advantage about the continent and that the Africa Continental Free Trade Agreement needs to speak to. Africa has 19% of the world youth population. And within the continent, 60% of Africa's population is youth. So basically, we are the future. When we claim that we are the future, this is not something that we claim very lightly because you are talking about the workforce or, or of the future. And I'm glad that the Africa Continental Free Trade Agreement uh, Secretariat last year did a special study on how, how the youth and, and women can benefit from the Africa Continental Free Trade Agreement. And if we are talking about the economic, the sector, which is the economic engine of any state or any continent, these are the youth. So for that reason, Africa's economic development 
will rely on this youth. And that's why I was excited yesterday when Johannes was hosting a, a seminar looking specifically on how the youth could benefit all the opportunities that will be accruing from the Africa Continental Free Trade Agreement. And we should also remember that uh, youth are the biggest consumers of brands. And last time we are saying that we need to embrace local brands so that they could take those resources, reinvest them into the economy and ensure that there's industrialization taking place in Africa because it's high time that the continent has to stop exporting raw materials and ensuring that beneficiation takes place right here on the continent so that we can create jobs for our people, particularly our youth population. Thanks, thanks, Sean, for that insight. Uh, and I could not agree with you more, particularly on the competitive advantage uh, which sits with the youthfulness of the African continent. Perhaps let me just bring in John here. Um, it is my understanding that you've you've had a successful seminar yesterday, as Saul has pointed out, around this particular issue. And perhaps maybe let's just hone in on the youth. What are the activation programs that you have shared with other colleagues across the continent on how to, you know, catapult, if you like, the quest of the African Trade Agreement for it to realize its its objectives. Thank you. First of all, I would like to acknowledge Mr. Sol for, you know, revealing that connection with the Republic of South Sudan. And we have someone in common, which is Professor Taban, is someone that I admire the most. So thank you for that connection. And this is how we feel Africa is connected. Coming to your question, uh, Dr. Nemot, is considering the young people, it is something that we say ourselves, we, we don't want to wait the agreement to come and knock our doors. We really need to reach where the AFCFTA is heading and is taking this continent. First, we start our engagement in January as the start of training is launched already. Unfortunately, it was happening during the peak of the COVID-19 pandemic. But we never stop. We move in into the new technology using Zoom and online connection and so on. And we had opportunity to host in our first program, the Secretary General, His Excellency Wam Kelemani, in our first event, try to pull him in our activity to give us a remark and also addressing the question of how we can bring young people as stakeholders, not just as spectators who will just expect something already made somewhere and finished. So our question is, we want to be engaged from the beginning until the end, until we make the AFCFTA that we all want. So we see it as an opportunity to unpack the talents of the young Africans, including women, to ensure inclusive benefits. So this is our agreement. This is our things as Africans. So we want to see young people being part of it. So far, we had regional consultation in East Africa. Also, we did a regional consultation with North Africa, with all the five regions of Africa, for us to understand the need of the young people and the priorities. Because we are telling our peers, it is not just an issue of the AFCFTA Secretariat in Accra, Ghana, or the African Union. This trade is ours. 
not only for our government, but for private sector, for us, the young people, because government don't do trade. We are the one that does trade. So we need to be part of this agreement. So that's why we start this process, because if Africa need to industrialize, we need to consider the inform the people that we call informal traders, which is the Africa informal sector. And if you look at it very carefully, you see women and youth are mostly engaged in those sectors. So why don't we link them to cross trade, uh, into cross border trade, so that they can access the finance, they can access production, they can access the network and markets, and also beneficiation as all put it very clearly to also think in the line of how we can add value into our raw materials. So these are the things that we are doing. And so far, we have seen a gap that young people are not that much aware. So we are intensifying our call, not only just to create awareness, but also to bring young people on board as a stakeholders, as a partners in implementing the African continental free trade area. And recently, we take it back home to South Sudan because we want our government to consider embarking. Uh, we seem to have a technical glitch there with our colleague from South Sudan. On that note, this is Beyond Governance at 101.9 High FM. My name is Nimrod and I'm joined by John Johannes, who's an executive director of the Nile Youth Double Connection, as well as Son Molobi. Let's take a quick break. Uh, we'll be back in a second. Beyond Governance, making sense of doing business in South Africa, is proudly sponsored by Plus94 Research, the science of decision-making. Welcome back. So it's amazing how time flies when you're having an interesting conversation with the likes of Jan Johannes all the way from uh, South Sudan, giving us insight on the implications of the Africa Trade Agreement uh, in terms of uh, how it impacts on the continent, let alone or particularly on, on South Sudan, as it were. Prasor, let me, let me bring you in here. John has made a very interesting point, which we often forget is the the informal sector, which is the bulk of SMMEs in, in the rest of the continent, what you take around formalizing, if you were, or promoting migration of these small businesses to, you know, formal businesses where there are obviously compliance consideration. What is in, that? In, in fact, the, the role of the youth is very critical. And if you look in South Africa, we are dealing with a very serious crisis. The National Planning Commission last year in November issued the review of the education sector. And they discovered that between grade one and grade 12, there's a 40% dropout rate. And furthermore, they said that out of the 40% that will proceed to grade 12, only 37% of them will pass metric. Now, you can imagine that a 40% dropout rate is extremely high. And that is why even today, the greatest percentage of of unemployment is amongst the youth in in South Africa. So this is very very critical. But also we also need to to re reposition our education system. Uh, we need to move away from a system where we train the youth to become better employees instead of them becoming 
are better employers because globally 65% of the economy is dependent upon upon small, medium, and micro enterprises, which means people are becoming self-employed and they also become employers by creating jobs for other people. So this is what we need to be focusing on, not only as South Africa, but as the rest of the continent. And we should also remember that the youth are the biggest consumers, particularly of brands. If you look at what Tebe Igalafing has discovered through his annual Brand Africa survey, he said that in 2010, when he first launched this Brand Africa annual survey that looks into the top 100 most admired brands in Africa, by then 34% of this top 100 most admired brands in Africa were of African origin. You fast track that to 2020, the number has come down to to 13%, which is extremely worrying because it means even if we, we are excited about the operationalization of the Africa Continental Free Trade Agreement that integrates the 55 AU member states into one common area, it wouldn't benefit us if we continue to consume foreign brands as opposed to our local brands. And this is where John's organizations a critical role plays in. And we will also introduce him to the South African Youth Chamber of Commerce as led by Kingsley Malepe that we need to ensure that our youth becomes, they they adopt that orientation of becoming employers. But beyond that, since they, they will be entrepreneurs, then we also need to give them the orientation to embrace Af- made in Africa service and product brands so that the money could be reinvested into the continent it can benefit us, it can contribute to industrialization, and therefore we will be able to succeed competitively uh, against all the foreign, foreign brands that will be imported into the continent. More especially that if products are produced locally, it means the prices will come down. And furthermore, with over 90% of the current trade tariffs between one African country and another being abolished through the Africa Continental Free Trade Agreement. It means made-in-Africa products will be so cheap that we will be able to compete on price against even your cheap imports from other continents such as Asia and particularly from China. So it means Africa's economy will indeed grow if we cover our made-in-Africa service and product brands. Thanks, thanks for that, Rashad. I mean, I, I think you're quite correct. But in your assessment, you brought two critical um, issues. One is the role of education and the extent to which it needs to be repositioned to create a different mindset. Majority of our school products are, are looking at 
jobs as opposed to creating jobs. So there's a whole lot of rethinking, reconfiguration, reprogramming of the education system, of which that that, that much I, I, I agree with, and there's no contestation. But on the issue of the Tebet Lafayette Annual Survey, which has projected the, the decline of African product and service from consumption, from, particularly from youth, what comes to my mind is the role of advocacy and communication. For you cannot expect the brands that are produced in Africa to be elevated to that of, of global standard without aggressive and deliberate advocacy campaigns that cuts across. Perhaps maybe on that note, let me bring in John, John here. John, the issue at hand is the role of youth as the, uh, the biggest consumers of products and mm-hmm. services and for them to acquire appetite on what has been produced in Africa, there has to be a deliberate strategy on communication around what what is being produced in Africa. What's your take on that? Yes, looking into the African brand, it, it is something that we really want to promote ourselves. There is no external force that will come to force us to make us interesting in our own products. And if we see the population of Africa, is it's mostly a young. So that is to say, if we look at the consumers, they're mostly young people. So the bigger role will be how to convince the young people to accept the African products, not only accepting, but producing the African products. For instance, there is a trend of young people calling themselves entrepreneurs. And you see them, they, even the, the employment sector, it's not that much enough absorbing all of them. Though our system is set to make young people good employees at the end of their studies. But that trend is something that we can capitalize on, young people calling themselves an entrepreneurs, even without the necessary skills of being an entrepreneur. So it's something that Africa can capitalize on by giving them more training and more skills and broaden their perspective so that they can be real entrepreneurs that are producing something to the continent. And this will require, of course, our national policies to be also so flexible to give that, to give young people that opportunity to, to promote their programs so that they can play the important role in reaping the benefits out of the AFCFTA. So for us, we are already in the field promoting different products that is produced by young African in different countries. And for instance, in South Sudan, we have exhibition that we do every month, a bazaar where we bring a local produced products into a place where showcasing is taking place. And we invite everyone to come and see how, what processes have taken to get that specific product that is proudly South Sudan. So from that perspective, we want to see more of exhibition and more of expo. For example, if South Africa is doing expo, we need to encourage all Africans to go and see the South African products. If Kenya is doing the same, we want to encourage such kind of exchange program where there is exhibition of a local made products. This is how we develop the interest of consuming our own product because an entrepreneur or a business person who is producing without consumption, no one is buying it. Ultimately, that person will phase out from whatever business is doing or she's doing. So we really want to promote our product and use has a stake in that. And we are already doing it to narrow the gap of information 
first for young people to understand the continental trade, how it works and how we can be part of it. Despite if you are in your own village or if you are in your own country, you see yourself part of this agreement at some point. So for now, we are preparing our young people to be the right stakeholders for this continental trade. It's not going to happen in one year or two years. It will take us time, but preparation is now. And this is what we are doing. Thank you, Norman. Thanks for that. I'm quite pleased to hear. I'm sure the listeners are also equally pleased to hear that there's already measures in place to cross-pollinate via different exhibitions, which we can all agree that that is the best route of sharing uh, information, sharing insight, and sharing best practices. But here's another follow-up question. The economic recovery, in as much as it, it, it ought to be driven by the state from a policy and programming point of view, uh, civil society organizations, private sector in particular, are actually the custodians of innovation. To what extent is the African trade agreement, and based on your conversation, is actually promoting the involvement of the private sector? Because in private sector modality, the innovation and creativity is far more advanced or likely to take place because of agility and those kind of stuff. So what is the current thinking? Because, well, we all know that whatever is being touched by the state, because of the red tape and bureaucracy, will take long time to filter down to a small man who is trying to make ends meet. I think that the biggest question is how is the free trade agreement empowering NGOs, civil society organizations, and private sector, you know, to have a more of an, a bottom-up approach as opposed to top-down approach? Yes. The, the agreement, as it says very clearly, the protocol on trading in services, it is carried out first by the state parties. And the state parties are the representation of our governments, our African governments. That is at its stage. But when we come to actual implementation, it is a known fact that to some extent, government don't do trade. They can do that to some extent. It, it has to be the work of the private sectors. And this is where the private sector came in and the civil society being also part of this uh, continental trade. Yes, there is uh, in some countries, particularly in South Sudan, we still want to push a public-private coordination platform where the public will be there, which is the government, the private sector will be there, and also the other segment like civil society and so on. In that way, if we are driving it in that way, we can harness a better opportunity for the AFCFTA to work better because it's not the exclusion of the private sector. It's not the exclusion of the civil society. And I've seen the AFCFTA secretariat, they are very open to cooperation and also to see the input of the private sector in how we can realize this vision because it, it will take us years to implement it. So we need to get the formula right from the beginning. And the right formula is having the public-private coordinating platforms where we can bring all the segments of our society into this trade agreement. Otherwise, if it is just a government bureaucracy, it will work. It will not deliver to the expectation of Africans. And this is where our advocacy is based on inclusion of private sector, inclusion of women, inclusion of the young people in the implementation of the African continental free trade area. Because we are already in the business. And what we do now in the East African community block, we are mapping out the potential 
young business owners that has the ability to export their product into the African continent or into the to the other neighboring countries, for instance. And this is the exercise that will give us the clear picture of how the region of East Africa, particularly the youth in business, are ready to trade under the African continental free trade area. Of course, there will be challenges and there will be barriers in understanding the technicalities. So there is no a win for private sector without the policymakers, which is the public sector. And there is no also win for public sector to take forth this agreement without engaging the private sector. So it is a whole society approach. And this is how we need to, to drive it. And there is a similar understanding from the AFCFTA Secretariat to engage the private sector into the advocacy and the implementation of the AFCFTA. And this is the aspiration that we have. And this is the thing that we want to amplify for our people to know more on how we be part of this game-changing agreement in the continent. Yeah. Yes, well, thank you very much. This is how we see it. Absolutely. This is Beyond Governance at 101.9 High FM. I'm joined by John Johannes, who is an executive director at Nile Youth Development Action, as well as Saul Mulobi, who is an executive CEO at Brent Hill Group of Companies. Uh, we are literally unpacking the Africa Trade Agreement and how it manifests itself in reality. Let's take a break. We'll come back in a second. Beyond Governance, making sense of doing business in South Africa, is proudly sponsored by Plus94 Research, the science of decision-making. Welcome back. We're now literally on the last leg of our interesting conversation on a very complex and yet fascinating topic, uh, that of African Continental Free Trade Agreement, on how countries, all the 54 or 55 countries in the continent, are beginning to harmonize their thinking, programming, and policies to ensure that uh, we are able to create one single market that will benefit Africa. Before we went to the break, I just, you know, John made a very interesting point, which I want, if, if you may, Saul to respond to. That is that of advocacy. Prasol, I mean, I would imagine this Africa trade agreement will rise or fall on the basis of of communication, aggressive communication and best practices, particularly as it relates to the inclusion of all the players and where we are looking at win-win, which is the point that was made by John. Give us your perspective of this on this issue. In fact, that's the core of Brand Hill Africa. We are trying to manage the reputation of Africa as a continent but also of individual African countries. And yes, in the mix, you can also add uh, the regional economic communities. Because by branding yourself, you are basically promoting yourself as, as a viable destination for tourism, for investments, and also you are opening market access opportunities for the products that you have produced. And yes, we know historically people have always attached negative perceptions to, to the continent and that translated in the low consumption of made in Africa service and product brands. So we are trying to change that. But perhaps I must also say the governments through the African Union are creating through the agreement 
an environment conducive for industrialization to take place. And industrialization is dependent on innovation. And that is why earlier on I was saying beneficiation has to happen in Africa. For instance, if you look at Sudan, because our friend is from Sudan, it is endowed with natural resources. In fact, if you were to say South Sudan is God's geological gift to Africa, you, you wouldn't be too wrong after South Africa and Ghana because they are endowed with petroleum, with iron ore, with copper, with chromium, or with zinc, with silver, with gold, and hydropower. Now, the good thing about South Sudan is in other countries along the Nile, what used to be called the Nile Kingdom, is that they are endowed with water. In my previous life, when I worked for trade and investment in Popo, I knew many people who were issued with mining licenses in Limpopo, but they couldn't start a mining because mining requires water and Limpopo doesn't have enough water. Now, here's this country that I would say South Africans should be reaching out to South Sudanese people to partner with them so that they can grab all those opportunities in South Sudan because the commodities are there, the water is there, they could be able to conduct mining, and that country uh, could be one of the most economically successful countries in Africa, because then we will be exploiting all its resources. We need to manage a brand Africa, we need to manage our national brands, and we have to invest sufficient resources so that people can come to us as tourists, investors can invest in our countries and the continent, and globally, consumers will then begin to embrace Made in Africa service and product brands. Look, Prasad, I mean, you're hitting the nail. You're hitting all the sweet spot. But the issue which I want to put before you and John is the proper template Inasmuch you've got all this natural endowment that we need to leverage on to elevate Africa's positioning uh, to that of of a superpower, which it is a superpower, and yet, however, even though it's lying shallow, um, it's about putting the right people in the right places. Managing the brands has to start with competencies of putting people that are competent, ethical in those key strategic positions, for which if you can't manage this very basic, we all know in our state-owned entities, we are in a mess in South Africa, and we are messing in, in the rest of the continent. What is the approach of the free trade agreement around a templating which looked at putting the right people who had the right skills, experience, and exposure to manage entities that are responsible for brands so that we are able to to project ourselves as we are for the bulk of the mess that we're seeing in the continent are as a result of failure or inability of state and other entities to project Africa in, in a positive light purely because we don't have, in most instances, we're not being managed by people that have skills, competencies, and exposure. Um, I want to bring John here in the next 30 seconds. 
After this break, let's see what John's response is going to be from South Sudan point of view. Beyond Governance, making sense of doing business in South Africa, is proudly sponsored by Plus94 Research, the science of decision-making. Thank you once again, and welcome back. This is Beyond Governance. I'm joined by John from South Sudan as well as Solomon Obi. Before we took that quick break, I wanted to, I, I wanted to put before John around the, the templating revival of any economies has to do with people. People who are ethical, people who are, who have skills and competencies to drive uh, economic reengineering, to drive economic recovery. John, what is your perspective from South Sudanese point of view? Thank you very much, Dr. Nemort, and also Sol, for advocating about the wealth and the potential of South Sudan. And it is true that you put it very clearly, and I can't add any. Given to the template, I don't see we should have one template for future trading in Africa, but we can have different model of trading. For instance, having a standardization or certification that is purely African, because having a trademark, for instance, need to be protected. You need to protect your intellectual property. And that is to say, our quality insurance must be African. And this is the start. And I've seen there is continental organization like ARSO. They are also working on quality uh, insurance and quality control. And this is where we can ensure the Africa brand is protected. Otherwise, if we just believe some other people will give us the certification, will give us the standardization, it will not work in that way. We should have to put our standards as African standards. And when it is certified, you are protecting that intellectual property to be solely Africans. And this is where we need to, to start seeing our continent progressing. Otherwise, it will be, as usual, penetrated by a different product coming from outside the continent. And then now we lose our track in having our own trademark, like the made in Africa. And it's something that we really want to, to see from that perspective. So I okay. see the standardization the quality control is something that we need to put as a priority right from the beginning. I couldn't agree with you more, John. Uh, uh, your parting shot, uh, Brasol, on this very you know, interesting topic. My parting shot is that Africa at continental level send their best brains to lead all these multilateral institutions, starting with the African Union, even coming down to regional economic communities like your SADC, your East African communities. Now, we also need to come down in our countries that we, we take the best in each and every country to be in power so that then they could be able to develop and grow our economies. Even in South Africa, we have many competent people who are marginalized by patronage. And this has to stop because we need that kind of quality leadership for this country to be taken out of the crisis it finds itself in. The same applies to all other African countries. Thank you very much, colleagues. Unfortunately, we have run out of time. This is where we're going to leave it. Once again, John, John Johannes said, we are grateful for you coming through and sharing your views from South Sudan point of view. We are, we are much uh, indebted to you. Thank you.
Thank you very much, Norman, for hosting us. Thank you, Rasol. As always, we are poorer without your insight on this particular program. Thank you very much for gracing the airways as well. Thank you so much. And John Pasawa, regards to Professor Taban Lulio, our elder. Thank you very much. I will do so. There we are. There we are. We had a very unfortunate going to leave it here. Uh, we had a very interesting conversation um, shared by Jan Johannes, who is an executive director at the Nile Youth Development Action, all the way from South Sudan. And of course, our own here's Sol Molobi, who is the executive director at Brand Hill Group of Companies. Gentlemen, it has been absolutely a pleasure. I sincerely hope the listener have picked up salient points that we could all leverage on on based on this Africa trade agreement. Let's do this again in a short while. Uh, in the meantime, have a fantastic day ahead. Shalom. We've weathered the unexpected. We've stepped into a new world. And now it is the time for our businesses to re-emerge. Sure-footed, clear-headed, and strategically on point. It is a time for greater certainty, for accurate, actionable market research and business intelligence to make effective, up-to-date decisions. South Africa, that is how we move our businesses and economy forward. Plus 94 Research, the science of decision-making.